1: What's up, music lovers? Welcome to Modern Musicology. My name is Alan, and with me I have my great friends Stephanie Seymour. Hello! Rob Levy. Hello! And Anthony Williams. Howdy! And this week we have a very special guest that's joining us. Singer, songwriter, photographer, published author, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, true rock icon, all-around badass. I'm talking about... Gina Shock, the drummer of the Go-Go's.
0: Thanks, you guys. It's been a wonderful ride. It's just been wonderful, the whole the whole thing, all of it, every bit of it. I'm so that.
2: stoked you're here. You couldn't even imagine.
0: <laughs> um, well, I was actually looking forward to doing this because, you know, everybody that I talked to was like, oh, you know, everybody's really smart. Was, they're talking about it. It'll be interesting. And so I look forward to that, you know, not the typical same old, same old thing. Four, there's four of you guys, so, you know, I think you're probably going to cover everything.
1: So, Gina, I'm going to start with uh, jumping back to 1990. Yes. Apparently, you saw Stephanie's band play At The Whiskey in 1990.
0: Yeah.
2: You saw my band, The Aquanettas, but I don't oh, yeah!
0: <laughs> sure, I The Aquanettas! I was the drummer. <laughs>
2: no way! No kidding! No kidding, no, no kidding. What happened? What happened? What? um i can't remember i think you came with jane but i'm not like a hundred percent sure because i was I just know, so what
0: f- happened with the band What's, oh like, <laughs> i remember aqua and i had like i thought oh man maybe these they're gonna they're gonna do I something now
2: no we had that one record that on network irs and then we um we left well we, it was a weird thing a long story but we we parted ways and then we had an EP out on like Rockville and we did some singles in the UK but that was pretty much it we like we broke up cuz we wanted to stay friends instead of being you know hating each other after slogging along you know you know um
0: i know the feeling and like with with my band with our band you know i as i wrote in my book um it's a family and yeah and uh and there's a lot of love and there's a lot of you know, times where we're not speaking, but yeah. ultimately, somehow we always seem to, um, come back together. And, uh, you know, somebody's always fighting with someone else. I mean, what do you, you know, it's exactly like a family, you guys, it's like, and if the minute somebody says something shitty about anybody in my band, I want to, you know, rip their head off,
2: but yeah, exactly.
0: You know what? I want to, I want to rip my bandmates head off, but don't let anybody else do it. It's just like family, you guys. It's yeah. Yep. It's, it's that way. We've been together for such a long time. You know, there's you, there's issues that that you'll have with different people. They'll never fucking go away, but you deal with them because you have something much bigger than yourself. That you, you have to value. You have to have value for that. You have to be yeah. grateful for that. And so, at the end of the day, you kind of just gotta drop the crap and try to come together.
2: Yeah, but I want to say a special huge thank you because if it weren't for your band and if it weren't for you specifically, like I wouldn't. You totally. I'm not just saying this, but you totally changed the course of my entire life. And I just wanted to hold okay. up this ticket stub for viewers at home. This is my first concert ticket ever. It's the police and the go-go's at, at Madison square garden in 1982. Oh, wow. And okay. this is after this show, this is when I asked my dad for a drum set and he gave it to me.
0: So that's uh
2: that I just really, you know, it, it it's such an honor for you to, For you to you know do this for us and
0: well you know what it's my pleasure and when i you know hear stories like this it just makes me feel like i've actually made a contribution you know what i mean and um because there's so many ways and the older you get that you want to contribute to this wonderful world that we live in and uh and if this is you know I, i i'm hearing this a lot these days and it really makes me feel pretty damn great.
2: Uh, you should feel um, great because I'm sure you get told this a lot, but really, you, you changed the course of my life. And thank you sure. because my life has been so great. And even just doing this podcast, I wouldn't even be here, you know? So
0: no. it's true. Thank I'm
2: like <laughs> getting emotional, but it's,
0: no, I, it's, I, I, it, it's, it's re- I really, Steph, I really do appreciate it. Honestly, you know, uh, we all come from someplace. I'm just this kid from a middle-class family growing up in my little you know suburban Baltimore and Dundalk and I had big dreams and I just you know when you're that age you're like you're very brave and you think anything is possible and sometimes I think most of the time think anything is possible if you yep put your mind to it and have faith in yourself and you know do not take no for an answer um, and continue, but you've got to have something inside of you that drives you all the time. That can be love, faith. It can be a, you can get that strength from a, a, a number of things. And, you know, over the years in retrospect, you're like, Jesus Christ, how incredibly look, I've worked hard, but wow, there's yeah. a, a lot of luck involved in this story as well. Right place, what, right time. Nobody knows how that happens or why it happens. Sometimes nope. it just does. And so, boy, I tell you, I got to tell you, I'm, I, when I hear a story like you, Steph, that makes me so happy and grateful that I was, you know, able to reach people, reach someone like yourself um, and, and motivate you to want to do something that wasn't actually, you know, the ordinary uh, sort of thing for a girl to do growing up, um, okay. but it's becoming much more commonplace now, uh, well, becoming a drummer.
1: So that's cool. I, I actually want to ask you about one of those things that happened. Um I heard you tell this story once before, but I want to have our listeners hear that. Yeah. After the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony, backstage, Questlove came up to you.
0: Oh Gosh, yeah. Yeah, um, this was a sh- very shocking for me um, because, you know, I, I have such high regard for him. He's a super talented guy. Um, and he came up to me, um, and we just we were just talking to Paul McCartney, and I got tappy-tapped on, on my back. And he said, hi, uh, I'm Questlove. I said, I know who you are. And he said, um, uh, you know, when I was, I was I was trying to figure out how you play We Got the Beat, when I was a young, you know, was 12 or 13 years old, I remember sitting and listening to it, and trying to figure it out, I could never never figure that out. And and you know what, he said, now my life is complete. I finally met Gina Jack and I was like, whoa, daddy, that's really nice. Oh, wow yeah that's really nice and we got the beat is such an easy song to play but uh i i think i know what he's referring to is probably which drums i was using use making that beat so anyway we talked a little bit and um that was a nice moment and, and meeting paul mccartney was pretty damn cool um oh to meet by the Beatles. you know that's just incredible um and and i was like hi paul i'm gina shock from the go-go's I, I just wanted to meet you he's like I know who you are. I just saw you on stage. My wife here, <laughs> and now I am too. And I was like, "Oh God, that's nice. I like it." And then, quest love, tap on the shoulder, sort of thing. That happened a lot that night. Lots of folks. Uh, it's it's something to be with your peers and 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 um, get all that love um, in one night in within a, a several hour space of time. It was overwhelming. I felt honestly. Like I really felt like I was going to pass out at any moment because I was very lightheaded during that whole experience. I don't know how I got through the three songs because I was in another place. Like a surreal, right? Like, totally. I, was, I really was in another place and it wasn't, it wasn't sitting on that drum kit playing. It was, I don't know where. Um, the adrenaline was, was flowing so fast and so hard. I thought my fucking head would pop off, but I didn't look through and I'm happy I made it. And then, the Whole night was exactly like that, meeting all these incredible people, and um, yeah, yeah, once in a lifetime thing,
1: yeah. I so, think- these are these are songs that you've played a thousand times in your lifetime, yeah. but it's a whole different meaning when you play it on that stage.
0: You bet. Um, it was, uh, yeah, like I said, well, like Steph said, it was surreal the whole thing because, well, you're sitting there in front of all these folks, um, and you're going to play some of your songs. All these people are getting up on stage, Carole King, a lot, you know, the Foo Fighters, uh, it, the list goes on and on. And um, and like to be a part of that, I was like, how in the hell did I get here? I feel like an imposter. I'm just a kid from Dundalk. What house is happening? But it is. It's, it's still, my life is like, it's still, mm-hmm. it's hard to all sink in everything that's happened to me because it was all just a dream. And it all happened to me. And that's why I say, if I can do this, I think anything's possible. I think anybody can can mm-hmm. achieve their, their dreams, you know? Just, yeah. There's a lot of elements involved, but nevertheless, it can happen.
3: Hey, Gina, if you were offered the opportunity to induct anyone into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who would you pick? Oh, Jesus.
0: Oh, man. Well, well that's a loaded question because because I love so many different genres of music I mm-hmm. have such great and deep respect for so many people that do what I do that is probably I, ooh, let me think what who Jesus Christ well I'll tell you who I'm really really pulling for uh, or the b52s yeah
3: <gasps>
0: yes um because not only because they're my friends but because they deserve it. I mean, really, let's let's get up. Let's be honest yeah. here. Why are they not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't know. But I think the, the Go-Go's being inducted is another milestone for women in the business. It's are like, okay, you know, we're here. Hey, we've been around. We've, we've paid our dues. Lots of folks like this now. You know, can we be part of this uh, club, um, which has been the men's club for a long, long time, but it's changing. And so that's always good. That's always good.
4: And I, um, felt like, I felt like your year, Gina, was pretty big for women in general. Because not only did you have the Go-Go's, you had Carol King, you had Tina Turner. Well, I that's mean, right,
0: Tina Turner, my lord, of course.
4: Yeah, some really iconic women last year. And, you know, I, I think you're kind of seeing that with Pat Benatar this year. It's a shame Kate Bush didn't make it. But, like,
0: that's I think amazing. last
4: year was such a turning point.
0: Yeah, um... It was a wonderful year. I it, it, and you know it was also. I mean, it's very bittersweet for me because you know I knew the the guys in the in the Foo Fighters a little bit, seeing Dave around and 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 um, meeting the guys in the band, and also Taylor, mm-hmm. who I had a real connection with. And and at at that that night, we sort of really I felt like we had taken another step in our friendship. Like we got closer and exchanged information, which we kind of already had, but sort of. Oh, do you have my right number? And this is that, you know, and, and, and we, and it's just hmm. so horrible because we had been talking just before that, just before he went to South America and he was saying, you know, Gina, you know, I, you got to come to the studio. We got to write, we got to play together. All these made some plans. Um, and I talked to him before he left and then he left and that was it.
2: That's terrible. That,
0: I think of that a lot of meeting him that night or seeing him again. Um, and having like a different kind of connection with him. And oh my God, Taylor really was an incredible drummer Um, and an incredible guy, a lovely, lovely man. Um, And we actually, uh, a really cool thing guys happened that you didn't get to see, but um, we we had to rehearse all day and so, uh, we were going to do the grand finale thing at the end, where everybody gets up on stage and we all play. So I actually got to go over a couple songs with Taylor. The two of us on, you know, him on one side of the stage and me on the other. That was fucking cool. Uh, yeah.
4: That's really cool.
0: Um, to have everybody up on stage, uh, singing, playing, and the two drummers were myself and Taylor. Wow. Uh, but they, it, we ran out of time. I think was it, didn't Jay Z get uh, a special award or something that night? I think-
4: I think he was on the performers list that night. I think he got inducted in the same way as
0: yeah. you guys um, did, but yeah, yeah, he
4: was, he was inducted.
0: Yeah. Jay-Z I could kick him in the ass because I think it took longer to do his induction or something. And then we couldn't do the, we couldn't do the grand finale thing. Like, so oh.
1: <laughs> it was a long ceremony too.
0: It was really long, but it for me, it went by very quickly. Of course, when you're sitting in the audience through the whole thing, it's different. Um, you know, um, I've yeah. been through awards uh, ceremonies, and I, unless, you know, we're participating in a major way, I really don't go because it's really a pain in the ass to sit there for hours and hours and hours. Um, anyway, but you know, yeah, not not a, not a rough life, you know.
2: I want to talk about your book, Made in Hollywood, because sure. it, first of all, it's just gorgeous from cover to cover. It is, it's a beautiful, vibrant like the energy pops out from every page of that book Thank and there's some there's so really good text in there too and you have nice guest writers you know doing little you know from your band to like even Kate Pearson right from the B-52s right. Right. but um you know early on in the book you say something like you you unknowingly became the archivist of the band yeah And I just I am curious if there's anything If there was any moment along the way back then that you were like, oh, this is maybe just more than like a hobby of me taking pictures. Like, maybe I'll be able to put out a book or maybe I'll be able to display them. Like, was there any moment like that
0: back then? Um, It's weird. I feel like subconsciously that was always the plan in some weird way. Like, there was a reason I was doing what I was doing. I was driven to take photos. Uh, And from when I was young, when I went to concerts to see, you know, people, the of course, we can't had icons of rock and roll, you know, from my first fucking show Zeppelin to my second show of, of Black Sabbath. So I was I had a little instamatic that I was taking photos from back then and you know to then actually become what I had only dreamed of as 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 a, a teenager, um and to be in from the inside getting the yes. shot was a very beautiful. personal yeah i mean
2: a personal I, I, I,
0: I, so yes there's part of me that thinks that i was i kind of some like i said subconsciously something was going on um because i've always been driven to photography i love mm-hmm. it i have a lot of stuff uh art on my walls uh not so much in the painting but definitely photos yeah
2: yeah yeah so
0: it's just i don't know I, a, I don't want
4: to get too far away from your book but what a first three bands to see the who <laughs> Led Zeppelin and Sabbath. I mean, just the amount of talent that you and, saw in those two shows.
0: Um, what I realized, and somebody told me this the other day, and this is really crazy, because after all this time to find this out, I, for some reason, thought that um, Zeppelin and The Who were doing a tour together. But that was the one and only show that they ever played together. And I was at that goddamn show. Oh, Holy shit! Wow. I was at that show. You know, I thanked my brother the other day because he had he took me. You
2: know, and brother, you have that ticket stub in the book. You have a picture of that. And they spelled Led Zeppelin, L-E-A-D. That was fantastic. <laughs>
0: That's the one and only time I believe that those guys played together in that in that way. You know, I mean, uh, I, I thought I was lucky, but I didn't realize how lucky until like, you know, six months ago when somebody pointed that out to me.
4: It's probably I for asked. legal reasons they weren't allowed to play. I can just think of the trouble that Bonham and Moon would have got up to together on tour. That was probably a no-go.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They would have ripped up the entire hotel instead of a couple of <laughs> rooms. Um, and they would have, you know, they'd have been in jail just about in every city probably. But uh, <laughs> amazing, amazing drummers, amazing people.
1: Do you have plans to do anything with photography beyond this book? Like what's your next step?
0: Um, you know, I was talking to my friend, Greg Gorman, who is a very famous photographer, fantastic photographer, fantastic guy, period. Um, and, you know, we were having dinner at his house and I was like, I, you know, I was just asking, you know, Greg, how do I move forward? I'm. This is a new world for me. Um, having my first photo exhibition in L.A. and San Francisco, um, I – it's a new world, and I'm meeting a lot of different people, and it's really exciting because it's, you know, you guys. As you go through life, you sort of discover, you make all these discoveries about yourself that you didn't even know. Yes, were there? You, I mean, you knew they were there, but you didn't know how far you could take it, where if it would ever go anywhere, if it was just an idea in your head, if it was just a couple pictures laying around, you know, if it was just this one song you wrote, or and they sort of evolve in a way. That I I believe in destiny. The way things are, I think it's all set, and we just have to keep doing what we do and trying to do the right thing to get in the place where we want to be. Ultimately, when we one day close our eyes. Um. Um. So anyway, yeah. Are um, these
2: photos that you're exhibiting? Are they non go related? You know, are they what are they?
0: No, they're all Steph. My whole life's been music. That's yeah, all, that's it for me, man. Mm-hmm. And and along the way, it has. It's it's you know projected me into another area, you know, being a photographer actually acknowledged as such um, and a book writer, you know, an author and, you know, and, but this all stems from music. You see, it all comes back down to music. Um, And, uh, but I'm trying to figure out where I want to go next. Do I want to just, do I want to just uh, continue taking photos of bands? Um, Because I think I believe I have an eye for things and I don't know why or how but it's one of the it's a, everything's a gift you know um and everybody does things in their own special way and sometimes it affi- it appeals to a large number of people and sometimes it doesn't the fucking end of the day what matters is does it, does it make you feel good right it, are you happy doing it, it does it fill you that's what it does it fill you you know um and and um photography is is something that I love to do and I'll continue doing it. I'm just, I don't, you know, I, I'm just like Greg said, just start carrying a camera. He told me what kind of camera to go to get. I went out and bought it. And, 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 and he said, just start carrying the, the, the camera with you, which is the way it all started for me, going to concerts, taking my camera to having my Instamatic when I'm driving across country, snapping shots, you know, so, yeah, I think that's the way. And then it's gonna. Then one day I'm gonna go. Oh, whoa, okay, this is what I think I really should focus on here. Um, and I'm not sure what that is yet. But of course, uh, photographing other bands, other artists um, is something that that um, that I think i already sort of had that in in position in some way, you know.
4: And uh, on that front, I just love that. That I feel like that area has so many of the same names you know you see people like Ross Halfin for example he was a phenomenal photographer but certain bands exclusively use Ross so mm-hmm. having someone else is kind of a new new-ish kind of vision in that is fantastic and particularly someone who knows the industry who knows these bands and what might fit them in terms of a photographic perspective yeah, I, think- I think that's so cool
0: I feel like also, yes, uh, me being in a room with with other uh, artists, I think like they would be super comfortable. Uh, I think, you know, because we can all relate to the same shit. We've all been through it. And, uh, and it's even up and coming bands. uh, There's a, there's a group of girls called the Linda Linda's that I absolutely adore. um, And that I, you know, want to push as hard as I can. I think they are the next go-go's. They are so talented. I, I feel like the dead mother. I'm, I just, I love them. They're doing everything the right way, you know? Um, And they have incredible parents. Uh, They know everything about punk history in LA. They're really cool. Um, uh, and I actually got to play with them uh, at Outside Lands, that festival that, that they have in the Golden Gate Park here. I came out and did uh, uh, Tonight. They, play, they oh, Yeah, they
2: have a great cover of that, right? Yeah.
0: Like I can, I, and if I'm in town, wherever they are, I usually go out and, and play that song with them, um, which is just such great fun. But I, you know, seeing a young band like that brings me such an incredible amount of joy, you guys, <laughs> because I feel it, I know it, and I love it. You know, um, it's the best feeling. But anyway, getting back to being in the room with uh, folks that do what I do, um, I definitely have a, have an in, I think, and and a certain amount of uh, uh, being comfortable in, in a certain zone with, with other folks that do what I do. I, I think it's sort of, it would be an easy shoe to fit into. And I-, yeah. I
2: You it, you feel like an empathy with them and they I, uh, they know I, that you I, know yeah, what they're going through.
0: It's even, it's just an unspoken thing. It's yeah. just, Yeah.
3: You get it, you get it. Getting back to Linda Lindas, because I know you talked about them. Can you sort of talk about the Go-Go's place as an influence in like the riot girl movement and the things that happened after you? Just because I think that as someone who's played records on the radio um, and listened to records my entire life, um, I never have heard so many just like raw, rough and ready women playing great music until the go-go's came along. And it's almost like it's the go-go's and then everybody else, even though we had girl groups before, um, but that riot girl movement was particularly an interesting time in in, in 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 indie music here in the country. And I'm just wondering what you thought of it.
0: I'm just happy to see it happening, you know, that it's like anything, let's face it, anything um I think like music is cyclical, you guys. Yeah. You know, they'll it'll be like one you know a certain amount of years will be bands that are really popular. Then there'll be just artists and then there could be boy bands or there could be girl bands. Um not necessarily like the Spice Girls because they didn't play instruments, but but you know what I'm saying, like and and then it comes back to you know bands get back in style again. And I think everything has its place. It all fits in some somewhere. And if you as far as the riot girl stuff goes, um, it was just nice to sit back and listen and watch this all happen. Um, and feels a little bit of pride in that, in that, Hey, maybe we kind of influence this maybe. Cause I, I don't know, you know, I'm, I just go home and have a normal life. And then <laughs> I do things like this. And I'm like, wow, I really do this for a living. This is so fucking cool. This is, this is wonderful. Um, so, um, yeah, you know what? I went and saw uh, sleater Kenny when they played up here um, mm-hmm. and uh, went back and, and like, they're really big fans of the Go-Go's. I really didn't know that. But uh, it was really neat. Um, another, and they were fantastic. They, they played at the Fox up here. And I don't know when the last time I saw them, a, a long time ago. Um, you know, it's like, it's so, you know, time is going so fast now. You guys, like my partner Wendell pointed out to me the other day, Gina, do you realize that like in a couple weeks, it's gonna be October, it's almost a year since you were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It feels like it was, you know, a month or maybe two months ago. It's weird. It's
2: just Seriously, this- as you get older, it's still foom, foom. I know, it's like
0: know. weird. And when you're a kid, it's so slow. You can't wait to get the fuck out of school and summer to happen. And and now I just want everything to slow down a little
2: <laughs> I totally know. So, like, kind of off of Rob's question, I there's. I'm going to quote you from your book, and then I I want. I just want to ask you about this whole issue. Um, on I will say it is on page 119 where you say, "I never thought about being the first all female band to play the Bowl," which you're referring to the Hollywood Bowl, and you say, "I still don't think about it until it's brought up. We do what we love to do, and we happen to be women." And I, you know that's sort of my experience with The Aquinetas like we just were four people who happened to be women i mean even before Claudine and i joined the band they had guys in the band you know it was never intended to be that way so um and i also have you know always think about how the press could never think about any other comparisons between you know for my band they always went to you guys and they always went to the bangles even though we don't really sound you know it was just they don't have the imagination so part of me was always like i i'm really proud of the fact that we're four kick-ass women right and i i i love that about our band and then the other part of me was just like fuck it i don't want anyone why even bring it up why is it even an issue well, and so I want to see yeah, what your thoughts of that are. You know what-
0: climb on to, They got to put you in a box. You know what I mean? You got to be. You right. got to be somewhere. You know who wants to think outside the box when it's like, oh, here's this bin, and then the next one, and the next one. You know, it's just a job for people. But you know, of course, being in the bin, it's 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 much more than a job. It's your absolute life. It's your it's life. Once, once again, you guys, this all comes down to music. It's about the music. That's what's the driving force behind everything all the time in my life, you know, and in your life and in all you guys, it's all about the music Um, and gender. It doesn't matter. I mean, I guess it's a nice thing to say, you know, oh, it's an all girl band. Well, okay, I get that because there hasn't been um, the craziest thing there hasn't been a, a a group of, of women that have done what the Go-Go's have done in all these years. Now right. that, that is nuts to me.
2: And I that's mean, something to be, like, that's a real concrete thing to be proud of. And that is, it should be acknowledged and honored. But like, there's so many bands that are all female, but you never say about a guy band, oh, that's an all guy band. It's just, to me, it's just an odd. Was,
0: that was the norm. It's what we grew up with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I would go to concerts, I never thought, um, of course, like we just said, something oh, I'm going to see a band and they're all guys. Right. I was just going to hear, I was going to see what I was listening to. You know what I mean? I get it. You know, it's good copy. People, they, you know, got to have something to write about. True. It's another element to add to the story, you know? Um, And I get it. But it's, it is so much more than that. Like you just said, Steph, it's really, it boils down to a connection that you have with these other people that you don't have with anybody else. Um, and you create things that you wouldn't create with anybody else. Not in the same way. It won't sound the same. It won't. It won't be the same feeling. That same connection. That it's that chemistry. It's chemical. It's numbers. It's crazy shit. That's right. It happens when you get in the room with certain people. It just happens. You just gotta let go. Let it happen.
3: So, getting back to that, uh, in a way, one of the things that I that I really bothers me as somebody that likes music, it's just there aren't any female producers. Um, Linda Perry. I mean, just throughout history, I mean, it, it, it's not oh. an equal balance. I yeah. mean, Linda Perry's terrific, right? And more people should know right. who Linda Perry is. But it's yeah. just like, why isn't that? I mean, yeah. is it just people just don't want to do it? Do they just not want to learn about My the My friend music? Barb is Morrison
2: it? is a producer. She's amazing. Yeah.
3: But yeah, yeah there's, there's a, very few.
0: There's probably a lot of women around that do it, but they haven't made their mark yet. It's you, you know, um Rob, it's just I think um being a producer was traditionally a man's role. Um and but, oh, yeah. you know, look, hey, I didn't make the rules.
3: I know, <laughs> so I know
0: that's why I do that's why I'm in a rock and roll band man. I'm here to break See,
3: the rules. <laughs> Gina, I live I live in a world where all those wall of sound records were produced by women and they sound better. Um <laughs> so that really frustrates me. Um <laughs> But, you know, as someone who, you know, has worked with bands and worked with other producers and other writers, um, I mean, it seems like it's changing and it seems like things are coming in a positive direction across the board. And I could be completely wrong with that, but uh, no, it's, I'm, happening,
0: I'm, Rob, it's happening. It definitely is. It's just a little it's taking its time. And, and that's OK, because things are changing and, yeah. you know, and that's good change, you know, to me. I'm such an old fuck. Like, you know, I'm like, it scares the shit out of me, but it happens every day. Every day. I'm changing, like it or not. And that's the way it goes. That's the way it is for everybody. That's the way the world works, man. Get used to it and get comfortable yeah. with it. I'm still trying. Look at me. I'm a nervous wreck. I <laughs> <laughs> couldn't
2: love anybody more right now.
0: <laughs> so. A change can be scary, you know, <laughs> when you're used to having things certain ways. And But it, it happens every day. Yeah. So just, you just have to acknowledge it and go, yeah, man, yeah. just get comfortable with it. Because it's going to keep happening.
3: <laughs> hey, can I uh, can I ask you about Edie and the Eggs? Sure. So, I, you know, I have heard like four or five different accounts of what the hell went on with that damn band. And it's really annoying me because uh, I have to know. <laughs> Um was John Waters in that band or was he not in the band? And if not, just what is hanging out with him like? Oh, well,
0: he's a trip, man. Yeah. He's an extraordinary guy. Um, I just remember, you know, growing up in the, the area um, down on the waterfront, Fells Point was the cool place where all the cool people hung out and downtown, but downtown was like a really kind of scary for me. I could go to like Fells Point and feel like well, I could fit in here and not stick out as like some little punk kid, you know? Um, and, um, and a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the people in John's films hung out at the bars in Fells Point. Um, and it, it had a reputation as, you know, a little out of the ordinary. And, um, My mother was mortified at the thought of because, you know, John would put posters up around and, you know, he's shooting a movie show up at this time and you can be an extra or whatever, you know. So you could you could get into his films if you knew somebody or you knew him. Anyway, that whole thing for me and how I actually met John and his the people that he worked in his films and his producer, Pat Moran, and this woman, Chris Mason, who did all the hairdos in the early films. I was in a band called scratch and sniff and they were like one of Baltimore's first punk new wave bands. And they're in the book, right? Yes. Um, myself and George Candelis and Chuck, Chuck, what the hell is Chuck's last name? I don't fucking know. And then Dan, Danny Brown, our singer. Anyway, uh, Chris Mason was our manager. And she, she was, and she was my downtown mother this is what she told me my downtown mother. And then this other guy, Steven, who was her buddy, he was my downtown father. Then my aunt and uncle Pat Moran was my aunt and John was my uncle. This is what what I don't know. John, if Pat if you knew that, but I would see them occasionally. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so, and then Edie, here, Edie comes into the picture because she had her shop in Fells point on Broadway, South Broadway. And, the, when I moved out of the house, I got my first apartment. I think I was nineteen. Was on Broadway, and it was North Broadway, so I could just walk down the street, and and at the foot of the foot of Broadway was Fell's Point, all the stores, all the bars, and all the cool people. And That's
2: such a cool area.
0: Yeah. So Edie's store, Edith's shopping bag. She'd be sitting there in back of her cash reg- Cash register. The minute you walk in. You'd walk and she'd be there on the left. She'd have her cat, Lovey, sitting on, on, on the countertop. And then this crazy, like, servant woman, Jeannie, who looked like a witch. She had long gray hair that was like all the way down her back. And she dressed in black and had big, thick eyes on her. And she waited on Edie, hand of foot. Oh, Jeannie, could you go get me some lunch? Get Lovey's food. She's hungry. And Edie was like, she didn't, uh, you know, a genie didn't talk much, but she did everything that Edie asked. Anyway. So I would always go in there um, and, 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 you know, see her check in. Hey, Edie, how you doing? What's going? Well, one day I walked in, she's like, Oh, Gina, I'm putting together a punk rock band. Do you want to be in it? We're going to go to New York and Philadelphia and San Francisco and Los Angeles. i was like, yes, Edie, I want to be in the band. So I don't know how I met the other girls, or I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but whatever. We all meet myself, two other girls, um, Ann and Susan. Yeah, was her name. And anyway, we got together, did a couple rehearsals. It wasn't so much about doing great music, it was about the journey. <laughs> I think for, for the three of us. And Edie, God bless her, she just wanted to be out and be in front of her. Adoring fans, you know. I mean, she was just this sweet old lady and was she was having the time of her life. She loved being a star. She loved it. And so, you know, uh, we put that together very quickly. And sure enough, we got to play in like, you know, at uh Max's Kansas City, CBGB's, um, uh the Warfield, the Warfield in San Francisco, and uh th- uh three shows at the Newark. And that was the first time I'd been in on a plane. I was just turning 21. And I thought, like, wow, this is my chance to make some connections. And maybe the West Coast is going to be where I'm going to wind up. Well, New York was close, but New York was tough. You know, I, I had made some friends um, that worked in a store up there. I think it was called Trash or something. Trash um, and Boardville. I don't think it was Trash and Boardville. It was around uh-huh. the corner from Trash and Boardville. Oh small little punk store i remember sleeping in the goddamn dressing room at that little clothing store huh. i think one of the girl's names was Trixie i met him when when Edie's band played up there and became friends and so i could go back up to new york and hang out with them and you know have fun run around new york um and i started making some friends up there and um but it was i i just thought close to Baltimore which i loved close to my family but wow we put that band together and i got to do these things and and made friends along the way which sort of my life changed after that. And uh, the, the the fellow Steve Martin that I met, who was producing the show in, in L.A., um, like, convinced me. to. He said, you know, you've got to come back out. You've got to try to make it here. And so I was like, I spent a little time in New York. I came out to L.A., saved a little money, came out to L.A., and hung out a little bit. Went up to San Francisco because I would made a couple friends up there. Hung out. When I got back to Baltimore, I knew... That I was going to go to LA. I knew I made my decision that LA was going to be the place that I think I could actually survive. The cost of living wasn't as you know high as it was in San Francisco or, or New York. And um, and Steve, you know, I could live with Steve at his house, and um, that's how that sort of came about. And really and chiefly, I do owe that all to Edie. God bless her, rest her soul. I, uh, you know, yeah, like she- one thing led to another, mm-hmm. led to another. That opportunity, and John Waters, it goes back to John, because John put Edie in his film, so it kind of goes back to John in a weird way, um, you know, what's it, like how many degrees of separation, whatever that saying is, or something, anyway, um, <clears throat> it all sort of goes back to John.
1: So, I want to talk to you really quickly about, um, you're talking about some upcoming bands, and, you know, Rob mentioned the Riot Girl scene being influenced by the impact that the Go-Go's had.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: Who were your influences, um, both as a, just a music lover and as a drummer?
0: Lots of people. All these records here. <laughs>
1: <are my> <laughs> right.
0: All these goddamn records right here. All that. Right there's my influences. <laughs> and it's a lot. I was influenced by lots of bands and lots of artists. Um, um, and, I, I mean, the initial thing with Zeppelin and The Who that changed my life at the age of 11 because I made my mind up after seeing that it, my mind was blown after mm-hmm. that and I was like I've got to do that I always loved music as I say in the book there was always music in the home mom and dad loved playing music they were into big band music there was always dancing always playing music Um and you know I just remember every Sunday night waiting for Ed Sullivan to see who the music guest was going to be Um, you know it I, I was anything that had to do with music. I was glued to the set. Um, and then at, at the age of 11, seeing the, the two of those two bands, I couldn't believe what I had been witness to. And it, it really did move me um, that I thought I'd dedicate my fucking life to this. This is what I got to do. Um, because even at the age of 11, I realized the impact that music had on people's lives, especially live music. People were moved to. to I mean, well, we, we'd see it on TV, but of course, to be actually in the audience and feel the the energy and the roar of a crowd and the people's faces and you know, yeah, man, live shows are great.
4: I, I'm curious, Gina. Was that show you mentioned that the the Who and Led Zeppelin was hugely influential? Was that the show that made you go, "I want to play drums," or yeah. did the drum oh. thing come at a different time?
0: The way that the drum thing happened was um, very, quite natural, very organic is that uh, after seeing those bands, I knew that I wanted to be on that stage. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I knew, I knew I wanted to be part of music, music, music. I had to be a part of it, you know? Um, so I did, um, I first picked up a bass, which I talk about in the book. I, I got a bass. It was called a Dia. I'll never forget that. And I got that at Petro's music shop and um, tried fooling around with that. And I always would play by ear. Then I got a guitar and I took lessons And for like a minute. And I was like, I do not have the patience for this. So I saved up my money and I bought a drum kit. And, um, and you know, I would always, I would play by ear. I would listen to stuff and pick it out, figure it out. You know, I can do that like on a piano or a guitar. I can usually Figure out how to play something. I don't even know what I'm doing. But when I put when I and I had my drums set up in my bedroom, and so when I, I set up, I, you know, I brought the drums home, set them up, put the headphones on, and started playing. I don't remember exactly what the first song was, but I knew when I started playing that I didn't have to think about it.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt too. With the drums. I would
0: never have to take a lesson, never, because it poured out of me in. It was, it was a very fluid thing. It was, you know, it just, it happened. My body just made the movements that corresponded with what, what, uh, where, where, when you're hitting the hi-hats, when you're hitting the cymbals, where you're, which tom-toms are you hitting, you know, where to put your kick drum beats in. And it just, uh, it made sense to me. It, yeah, made it was me- like a
2: very natural thing. Like you yeah. just knew you could do it. You knew yeah. You could
0: do it. That's the way that was. So yeah. And then of course, <clears throat> You know, realizing that I'd seen like two of the greatest drummers ever, ever in my first show was, wow, was an, another incredible like realization, um, which made me even more excited about wanting to play drums Um, because I idolized them. And and then, of course, my my real, you know, I idolized Charlie Watts, which I actually got to meet him, which was a wonderful thing. Um
2: And you opened for them, right? We yeah. opened
0: for the Stones in, uh, in Rockford, Illinois. I got that up on my wall, too.
2: That's amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: So I've got a question about your drumming style and Mm -hmm. um, you, you tend, you sort of gravitate toward the Tom Toms a lot more than a lot of drummers do. You are as centered on the Toms as you are the hi-hat or the ride cymbal or whatever. And I want to know where that comes from. Like, was there a particular drummer or Um, style of music that you found that in that, that you were drawn to?
0: No, there was no drummer and there was no style of music. Um, I mean, the kind of music I listened to was a hell of a lot harder than anything the Go-Go's ever have done. You know, I mean, look at the bands I went to see first. I mean, I I liked everybody, man. I don't even know where to begin. Of course, I loved Bowie. Um, You know, like, I loved Alice Cooper. I loved the James Gang. I loved Elton John. I, I, you know, I I don't know, everybody. The Stones, you name it. They inhale it. I mean, Steely Dan. You know, I was all over the place. Um... I don't know, you name it. The specials, uh, I I don't know, Spandau Ballet, all over. Seals and Croft, Cat Cat Stevens. (laughs) I saw everybody and I loved all of it. Um, Yeah. But as far as me using Tom's, uh, and what informed those moves was the music, once again. Um, If Charlotte Jane would bring a song in, and, you know, they just start singing it with their guitar and I would just start playing what felt would work for the song, what would elevate that song. I use that word a lot because that's all I try to do. If I have input, I want to elevate what's there. OK. And um, and and that's how I approach, approach drums and what uh, what I would use uh to fill in a chorus or a verse or a, or a bridge or a B section, whatever it may be. Um, that's what, it, that's what spoke to me when I was listening, when when we were going through each section of the song. Oh yeah, of course Tom Toms need to be here. Oh yeah, of course, you know, Toms need to be through the entire beatnik beach. Yeah. That, I'm going to move over to the ride and the, and just the snare in this one particular part. But it, it, it was really always the the songs that, um, cause I'm, I'm a, and I've said this many times, I'm a, you know, I'm the kind of drummer that plays what they play for the song. I I never cared about having any kind of fancy, crazy, badass fills. Um, I just cared about playing soulfully. Everything you do should be soulful. Uh, it's got to come from here with, with me. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I could go on forever talking nonsense, but I don't know.
2: I have a question about, you know, you're, of course, known for playing drums, but then you had, you know, House of Shock. And yeah. I was quite blown away when I first heard your band because, A, I was like, damn, you could sing. And I was I I just was kind of curious to why you never sung backup that much in the Go-Go's. But,
0: I, I would sing on the records, but I never sang live because. yeah it was always sort of you've been in a band before and people want to sing back up and I don't need to fight to have my voice in there.
2: But your voice is great. So you, I don't know. House of Shock is just a, it was a really cool record.
0: And you know, I was so um, blown away at the way that all happened because, you know, I have never, uh wanted to be a solo artist or anything like that and but it was just dancing myself i didn't want to be a singer i just wanted to write music and be able to play uh i didn't want to be a singer but we i searched for for a long time even flying people in to um be the lead singer in the band and finally like vance and the other folks in the band steven and chrissy they were like Gina, you sing the songs better than anybody you brought in. Why don't you just sing? So that's how that happened. It's a shame that that record didn't do better, but it was, I got stuck in one of those things where, uh, the people that brought me in a, a fellow named Tom Wally. Oh, yeah. Tom too. He was at Capitol. Yeah. right. Yeah,
2: I used to work at Island and then Virgin for like 16 years. So uh, I know uh, a lot of those people, right. but yeah,
0: <laughs> so, yeah, Tom brought me in and, you know, um, you know, I'd done the first record and it, it, it did kind of medium, okay. It wasn't bad. It got on MTV in medium rotation. We were starting to do a little tour in the West Coast. And then Tom calls me, say hey, let's have lunch. And he said, Gina, everybody's getting fired. Now, you all know this story. This happens to a lot of people. Everybody's getting fired. I'm going to give you a chance now to either get out, or if you want, you can stay on Capitol. And I was like, no, of course, I'm, I don't want to be a tax write-off. So I left.
3: And yeah, we so- were
0: writing songs for the next record. Um and that's the way that went. And I just got into it. Then I was like fed up. And uh, I was like, Jesus Christ. I started working again. I started working with Debbie Peterson in a short-lived project. And um, Miles Copeland was uh, managing me. He uh, managed managing House of Shock. And managing me for uh, this this Debbie Peterson project and myself. And we had done a lot of the record. And then things just went south. Uh, with our relationship. And so I walked away from that. And then I got like, fuck this. I am done with playing in bands. I can't deal with people's shit. Um, so I just moved to New York um, for, for, for a while. I kept my place in, in LA and uh, went to New York and thought, you know, I'm just going to focus on being a songwriter. So that's what I did. I stayed in New York and I got a deal on MCA, uh, MCA publishing and with a guy named John Alexander, he was head in MCA publishing at the time. He also brought Alanis Morissette. He was Canadian. So he brought Alanis and That's when I got to write with her when she first came to LA. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's the way that that worked out for me. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, cause you've had just so many different aspects yeah. of your career.
0: Yeah. yeah, A lot of things, but uh, you know, um, I'm uh I will always be if you ask me what I do, I'll tell you. I'm a drummer. That's what I am. But I can do other things
1: yeah. too. I think I think a lot of people aren't quite as aware of the success that you've had as a songwriter. Like you've had a lot of hits.
0: Oh, not hits, but you know what? Look, I I uh I need to work with other people. I am a team player. You put me with the right people and I think I can write a hit song, okay? Um but I you know, And I was working with uh, this is another really long story, um, which is a little ugly at points, so I'm not even going to get into it. But I did find other people that I worked with. The Go-Go's happened to be uh, doing something with Disney at the time. And um, they wanted uh, they were looking for the Oh well, they were looking for the like the next younger version of the Go-Go's. Okay, so we were a part of helping to find the right girls, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we had to, we're, we're going to use, I think five or six Go-Go songs and have five or six new songs. Uh, the way that it worked out is that out of the songs that got picked, I think I had like five of them I, that didn't go down well in the band. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I can never get any, I, and I, I'm not saying I'm the greatest of this or that, but I, it was a hard time for me to ever get any of my songs on Go-Go's records because, you know, it was set the first record sort of set the tone and I wasn't really a writer then, but I thought this is something else I want to do. I want to do that. I wanted to learn how to produce it mm-hmm. all. That. So I started working on that, you know? Um, but it was tough to get in, in there. And when people make a lot of money, they want to keep making a lot of money. So whatever we all did well. I'm not Yeah. I'm complaining, but I'm not really complaining because I've, my life has been wonderful. And I do love those girls. Not all the time, but I, I don't like them all the time, but I love them. Anyway, so what wound up happening is this fellow at uh, Disney heard these songs. And uh, I guess Miley was in the middle of making a record. uh, It was her last record on Disney. And she heard the song Breakout. Uh, And uh, she fucking loved it. Her record, I think, was almost done. But she went in. Well, and then we were managed by um, uh, direct management, Bradford Cobb, Steve Jensen, and Martin Kirkham. And um, they managed uh, Katy Perry. So Katie, Bradford played it for Katie and Katie wanted to do the song. The difference was is that Miley put up money for us to keep the song on hold. Um, and we knew that Miley was going to sell a certain amount of records and Katie was new. So, and I wasn't the only writer. I was one of three. And so, you know, we, you do what you have to do. And um, so Miley went, out, went uh, d- did the record and it, it turned out to be, the, you know, the name of the album and the title track of the record and then the fellow at um, at um, at Disney had another artist, Selena Gomez. Um, can you write some stuff for her? So we wrote four songs uh, for her. He, they, he She did all four of them. Um, and it was also um, the title track and the name of the, of the record uh, was the first single on it. So that sort of happened like that. <laughs> and then our guy got fired. <laughs> and you know what? It's all about connections and stuff. I mean, it's a crazy business. I mean, and it is, you know, you can be as good as you can be and, Eee, timing, and it's all about all that sort of stuff. There's okay. a lot of
2: variables, that's for
0: sure. People, write songs till till you fucking drop dead and unless the right person hears it at the right time. It don't matter. Nobody's going to hear it. It's not going to go anywhere. And that's why I'm always a big... Um, I'm always pushing for um, for bands to always um, split their, their publishing money, split their songwriting money with the other members because if it isn't for that, if it wasn't for those however many people in the band playing their parts and doing their job, those songs would still be sitting on a fucking shelf somewhere. That's
2: what and we did right from day one, I think. At, at least, sure. you know, that's what we never had any argument about because right from the start, we said that's the way it's going to be because
0: mm-hmm. every
2: single one of them, us, brought something special to the band.
0: And you do, you do, inevitably. And I always say, I don't know what we got to beat with, be without the beat that I came up with. Right. I don't think it would have been quite, uh, quite as much a hit. I don't. I really don't think so. So, but, and everybody adds, you put everything you can into something um, or, th- or you should, if you don't and you're an asshole, uh, but you know you should, if you're all in it for the same reasons and that's to uh, put something out that you're all real proud of. I, I mean, there's some managers out there right now that will not take a ban unless they split everything equally because mm-hmm. they know if they have any amount of success it, they're going to break up because somebody's going to be making, you know, five times the amount that somebody else is. And they're all going to be working just as fucking hard. And yes, there is. I know Jane said, well, there is something about being able to write a song and put it in. I agree. But you know what? you got to have a platform to sell the fucking song. What does it matter? you, you got to, you know, it all, we all need each other.
3: Yeah. It all
0: works together.
3: I think that's one of the things that you take away from watching the, the Showtime documentary on the band. Mm. And I'm just wondering what you think of not only that documentary, but like when people that you worked with, professional or whatever, write books or articles or blog posts or whatever about the band. Uh, do you feel like that you four should be the only people to control the narrative? Or do you think enough time has passed that other people can sort of reflect on what you do and comment on it and be people fairly accurate?
0: People will do that anyway, Rob. I mean, uh, there's a book coming out now. I'm not even going to talk about it. That ta- has us in it. Um, and I didn't want to talk about it, but it's all bullshit. It's all fucking lies. I don't even know who this person is. They said they work for us. I don't know who they are. None of us. Mm-hmm. We've been. We've all been texting like, who the fuck is this? We don't know her. What, what are you talking about? And those things, you know, but when I read it, it's kind of like, well, <laughs> people can say whatever they want, really, you yeah. know? And um, there's not much you can do about it. Um, well, there is, but like, yeah, it's yeah. not going to change anything in my life, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just somebody out there trying to write dirt about band, about you know bands, and they can write anything they want. It doesn't mean it's, it's true, just because it's in print.
4: Right. So, Gina, I want to change track a little bit. You've already mentioned the Linda Lindas. I'm curious as to what other kind of contemporary bands you're listening to and really enjoying cool. these days.
0: Well, I'll tell you who I am just crazy about. is a band called Glass Animals. Do you know them? Yeah. English band? Oh yeah. my god. I'm just knocked out. I, I just like got turned on to them uh, at, I don't know, about six months ago, and I just can't listen to those three records enough. Uh, Zaba, um, What It's Like to Be a Human Being, and the latest one is called What the fuck's the latest one called? uh can't think of it right now, having a senior moment, folks. Uh, I'd have to say, my Harry Styles, I love him. I love Harry Styles. His two records, Fine Line and Harry's House, are pop masterpieces. Those songs are so perfect. Perfect. They're perfection.
2: He he seems to me like Robbie Williams in a way. You know, like I the... the oh, yeah. I
0: understand that. And yeah. you know what? he's he's like he's just doing what he wants to do yeah. and good for him you know um I don't know how much he actually has to do with the songwriting or production or anything but whatever it is and the people that he works with brilliant man just brilliant and they so, are pop masterpieces it's but, funny but, you
4: right. mention him Gina i I just had a whirlwind trip to New York and when I arrived I flew into Newark I got the train into the penn station yeah and you that's right below Madison Madison Square Gardens. Yeah, and on Thursday, I got into Penn Station at five, and the line to get into Madison Square Gardens was enormous, and it was all these like late teens, early twenties girls, and I kind of stopped and went, "Who are you all waiting to see?" They were waiting for Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah,
0: nights um, that he, like, he played nineteen or fifteen like, nights, something nuts. He's playing. Yeah. The- like all those nights too. I'm gonna go to um I'm I'm flying in, in a week or a half or something, flying to Austin, and Kathy and I are gonna go see Harry play uh um at the whatever Moody Center, I think it's called. So I am really,
4: really good live.
0: Well, he's all over the place. I mean, you can see half of his fucking you can see his whole show practically on the internet. But yes. I mean, he seems so personable. He just seems like a lovely guy, and I hope that you know uh his endeavors in Hollywood don't don't get him all fucked up. I hope he can keep it together and stay like what he appears to be, kind of a sweetheart of a guy. And you know, if you're in Hollywood too long, it really it messes with you. It's good to get in and get out. Get in, do, I- and get out.
4: Actually, Gina, you brought me on to another question I wanted to ask. And I, I was at a show on Friday night and at the doors of the venue, there was a sign saying, you know, the band politely requests that photos and videos are not taken during the show. I, get as it. An, I was going to say, as an artist yourself, do you find that distracting that so many people seem to live a show through the screen of their phone? I Is
0: find that... what's going on with our phones, <clears throat> And the videoing and the photographing constantly really sickening to be honest, and I'm a victim of it too. They fucking take over your life. It's like the uh, being, I was at uh, that at the Muttville event the other day, and went to the bathroom and laid my phone on 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 a table and walked out and forgot it, and I had a fucking major panic attack because I didn't have my phone, and I thought. What have I become? I am a slave to this fucking phone. I don't know any of my friends' phone numbers because I'm just used to having them in my phone. It's terrible what's happening, you guys. I know. Good. Not good. It's not good. It's nice to go to a show and remember what you remember and maybe take a shot here and there. But, like, to video the whole thing, it's like you're not really – you're seeing it through a lens. It's it's just – I would, yeah, I say you shouldn't be allowed to do that. I don't,
2: I don't think you're, you're, you're ever going to watch that back, first of all, and you're not present watching what's going no, on. No, you're like-
0: busy worrying about getting shots, and I'm guilty of it too. I went and saw Alicia Keys, and I was trying to video stuff, you know, <laughs> and I was like, I'm guilty of it. Look, I'm, I tell you, I there's well, look, as a, that's a big old contradiction. Let's face it, you know. But what? as an audience
2: member, I always get so annoyed when somebody's got that around. First of all, there's light, and that's annoying. It's like distracting from the main performer. And then I, you know, it's just I think oh, yeah. it's rude. It's rude. I,
0: yeah, and you're like up to, on stage doing your thing, and you're people are going like this, and you want to say put the fucking camera down and just watch it. Will you get real? Let's just be real here. Let's 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 live in the moment, man. I know
4: what impressed me at Radio City was the staff were enforcing it as well. I mean, at one point, the the usher came and told this guy to put his phone away on three occasions. And on the fourth occasion, she brought security with her.
0: Good.
4: So it was being enforced as well.
0: Well, probably a place like Radio City, you could do it, but you can't do it at Madison Square Garden. You can't do it at the no. big venue. I would when I saw Alicia Kings was at the Chase Center. I mean, forget it, man. You could do something like that there. Oh, you know who else I really love is Maniskin. I mean,
4: yeah, they're fun.
0: Woo! I love them. They are a badass rock and roll band. So cool. Um, and I
4: think that's that's yeah. part of what won them Eurovision was they came in and they had that swagger, that attitude, and
0: they rip it up. That's that's a rock and roll band right there. I love it. Um, uh, and their stuff is really good. Yeah, their songs are really good. And they know how to work an audience. They are all fabulous. They all look like models. Um, they're all yeah, great. Good for them. Who else am I thinking that I really love these days? Oh, uh, what is that other band from Long Beach? The fuck's the name of them? Half Alive. Half Alive. God damn Not they're alive. good. God damn they're good. <laughs> now we're gonna I all have check to check
2: out. Half Alive yeah. out.
0: I'm telling you, you really need to. They are brilliant. I mean, the songwriting is fucking amazing, guys. There's something, there's something to see. They are, I'm like, they played it, I think the Wilton in LA. Um yeah, I've gotta see them. God damn, they're good. The Claire Animals, um, the Glass Animals album that I was that is called Dreamland. That's their latest album, Dreamland. Dreamland.
1: Okay. Um, so Gina, just one last time. Tell people about your book, where people can get it, and how they yeah. can find more information about it.
0: Well, um, you guys, um this shit. There's that goddamn book. Uh, this oh, I am super proud of, and it's all about my life with photography, all the photos I've taken since I was a kid, or a lot of them. I could actually put another book out right now. I have so many photos, you guys. Um, Anyway, so I was just going to put out a book of just just photography, but then uh, they said, why don't you you write some text? And I thought, "I'm I'm not, I can't write, I'm not a writer. But then when I started trying with the fellow that helped me work on the book, it poured out of me so those stories were really easy because they're the truth is I remember it uh-huh. and it's
2: so great um, that the text is wonderful it's called made in Hollywood and I you are actually appearing at some some places coming up soon aren't you on October 21st and 22nd at the Hollywood Expo at the Hollywood show right
0: oh uh, yeah Wendell's setting that sort of stuff up and we're doing something called chiller I've never done any yeah of this.
2: chiller I that's not- October 28th to 30th in Persippany, New Jersey. And then October 26th, you're doing a book signing at Confections of a Rockstar in Asbury Park, New Jersey. So these are close to me, and I might have to come see you.
0: Yeah, we're going to be setting up a bunch of stuff, um, book signings, and hopefully uh, uh, a photo exhibition in New York City. we are talking with Morrison Gallery, so we'll see how that goes. Um, And I'm just doing that and it's really fun i'm having a great time and i love the book and anyone that doesn't have it should get it because it's an easy read it is it is coffee table book i mean you just sit down and you just pick up any page and you you could just start reading and you won't stop because it's because it's interesting it and is
2: interesting beautiful. and it's beautiful like i said it's very vibrant it's got I a lot know. of energy
0: yeah uh a fellow doug martin was the art design that the art director of it um, who I worked with for years. He did GoGo's videos, and yeah, you guys, thank you because you got me excited. You, I start talking about these, and I feel like a ten-year-old kid. I, I get so excited, like every fucking bone in my body right now is going. <laughs> you know, well, we
2: feel that way. We are so stoked that you took the time my pleasure, to
0: <laughs> guys. My pleasure yeah. it really has been, and uh, and I appreciate your time. And let's do this again sometime, you guys. Hopefully, I'll be. Well, I'm going to be working. I'm doing a lot of different things right now. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Lots going on. All right, you guys. I love you. You take care and be safe, everybody. Okay.
4: You too. Take thank care. You know, thank you so much thank for your time.
0: You. Hold on. Thank you. You get better. Anthony, stay sweet. Steph, keep playing. And Rob, you're beautiful, baby. You guys have a wonderful day. Okay? Thank, thank you, you so much, Sheena. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Helm, report.
3: Sir, there's Klingons on the starboard bow. Starboard bow? Starboard bow! What are they doing there? They seem to be waiting for the new episode of Earth Station Trek. Science, what do we know about this Earth Station Trek? It's a podcast that tracks through the history of Star Trek, from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in
1: between. Navigation, how would one find such a podcast? By setting coordinates for earthstationtrek.com or by doing a sensor sweep of Spotify, iTunes, or any other quadrant where fine podcasts are available.
0: Captain, what are we going to do about the Klingons?
1: We come in peace, Commander. Weapon station, shoot to kill. Shoot, shoot to, to kill. kill! Shoot to kill! Oh my gosh. That was bonkers. <sighs> Holy shit, that was amazing. I knew amazing. it was going to be wild,
2: but that was awesome.
1: So yeah, that was, that was an interview with Gina Shock. Yeah. That was kind of amazing.
2: I'm having a fucking heart attack and out of body experience at the same time.
1: <laughs> what a, I mean, she is not short on personality. Let me tell you.
2: No, she's wonderful, vibrant, just like, you know, uh, uh, what a, what a, what a woman, what an experience. Yeah.
1: Wow. She's somebody that I have wanted to have this kind of conversation with for many, many, many years. Yeah. I've just, I've, I've just been a fan of hers forever.
3: And I I love the fact I was a fan of hers, but I also love it when artists I'm a fan of do other things outside of music that are just amazingly interesting. And so for me, just the sheer body of work uh, plus just the sort of magnitude of where they are in the history of popular culture is well worth it. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I've been a fan of her work for a while, but I had no idea that she was just this enormous bubble of energy that is just so delightful. it was just a huge amounts of fun.
2: And it's so oh. amazing to have so much talent in one person. I mean, you know, like we we're, were all discussing the drumming, but the songwriting and the singing and the, you know, it's really, it's really hard to have that all, let alone, let alone one of those things in the music industry. But, you know, for all of that stuff to be a success at, at all of it is very impressive. Really, mm-hmm. it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so I guess that wraps it up for us this week. Um, Anthony, tell people where they can find more about you.
4: As always, you can also find me on the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension podcast, where we are watching our way through all of Doctor Who from 1963 until now. We are currently in 1975, starting out the Tom Baker era. So as always, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you like to get your podcast, really, and that includes wherever you're listening to this one. So please do check us out. That's Watches in the Fourth Dimension.
1: Rob, where are people going to find you? Rob?
2: I think he's frozen.
1: I think yeah. he is.
4: So you can find Rob on uh, <laughs> KDHX, hosting the Juxtaposition show. It is archived online. You can also find him on... Uh, needcoffee.com and the uh, Weekend Justice podcast. I think that's right what on.
1: He does. And Stephanie, how
4: about you?
2: You can find me on my website, which is www. There. Let me do that again. <laughs> you can find me at my website therearebirds.com. You can find me on Bandcamp. You can find me on my Facebook page, which is Stephanie Seymour Music, and on Instagram at there underscore r Underscore birds and all the streaming platforms, and my latest single is called "There Was a Time."
1: There was excellent. You should listen to it. And you know what? There was a time when we talked to Gina Shock. There Ah! was. It's like two seconds ago. Uh, Right. That's crazy. All right. So I've got a publishing company called Cosmic Press. K O Z M I C Press. And you can find that at .com and at Facebook and Twitter and Insta. And I've got another podcast called Earth Station Trek. Um, Find it wherever you find great podcasts if you're a Star Trek fan. So we will see you again next week when we will be talking about Trainwreck, the new Netflix documentary about Woodstock 99. Until then, have a great week. Do good and keep rocking.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network.